Welcome to the Codifier Podcast. Codifier is a podcast about emerging trends and technologies with the aim to create bite-sized entertaining content for everyone from software developers to sales gurus to even your parents so that they can stay clued in and techno-savvy in today's ever-changing world. And this is part two, episode six, blockchain security and the cryptocurrency boom. Two weeks ago in part one, we took a hard look at the core components that make up a successful cryptocurrency like Bitcoin. Other cryptocurrencies are available. That would be the blockchain, the distributed network itself with, upon which cryptocurrencies are founded. And we then took a quick look at cryptocurrency wallets, things you need to transfer or spend your crypto where security is key at every stage. We ended the last article talking about the types of wallets required for conducting transactions. And this is where both choice and the potential for developer error comes heavily into play. So wallet storage specifically, defending your wallet is probably the better way of putting it. This is where security is the weakest. And when it comes to current cryptocurrency investing, again, using that term extremely loosely, the wallet itself is, is merely digital. It's just a big, unguessably huge numeric key used to sign each transaction to demonstrate that the sender is you without revealing that key itself. It also enables the generation of a public key or an address associated with your private key so that people can send money to you. And that's how the transactions essentially work. Now, the decentralization of currency, it's a popular concept, specifically when the ranks of the crypto hardcore crypto users like the idea of sticking it to the man and often make the grand claims about Bitcoin replacing banks. Now, banks. Once you strip away the bonuses, the bailouts, the bad service, the fees, the general feeling that Darth Vader, other Sith Lords are available, is somehow involved in your bank, there is one major advantage of banks that is overlooked. They tend to keep your money safe. Now, I love a good rebellion, but it may be hard for the crypto warriors to admit this, but it's true. Banks, for the most part, are pretty good at keeping large quantities of your money safe. Now, what a large quantity of money represents, well, that's down to the beholder, of course. To work that out, ask yourself, how much money would you feel comfortable carrying around in your wallet? I mean, your actual sloppy leather wallet that looks like a George Costanza with all the receipts, that one. I think the most I've ever carried, about maybe $5,000, which is a lot. And that was when I purchased a motorcycle for cash. It didn't fit well, although I felt a bit gangsta. I was nervous. I was happy once it was gone, and I could just go back to the warm, comfy feeling of using card transaction. So now here we are with cryptocurrency, and you need to think early about how you're going to store your crypto coins. There is no cryptocurrency equivalent of a bank account. If you can imagine a completely cryptocurrency world, your life savings would be in your wallet. Scary. As we said, it's not physical money, but instead just a complex numeric key that sits on your computer, your phone, a USB drive, piece of paper online service, or a dedicated piece of purpose-built tech. Let's talk about wallets. There's two main types of wallets, and we touched on this at the end of the last podcast. There are hot wallets and there are cold wallets. And I'm going to talk about cold wallets first because they essentially should be taking the place of the bank account. Cold storage is what is recommended for Bitcoin addresses that have a significant balance. Now, I'm not good with paper, so I wouldn't use a paper wallet. But for some people... You can just create a QR code of your private key, 
print it out on a piece of paper, protect it. Hey, why not laminate it and stick it in a safe? Because ideally, you won't be sending money from your main cold wallet, if ever. And so if you keep that hidden away, then your Bitcoin's safe. That's a, a pretty safe way of doing it. It sounds simple, but that is a, an, a highly recommended mechanism for, for storing Bitcoin or other cryptocurrencies. Now, what you do beforehand is you generate a public key and you can keep that available so that people can still send you money, even though your private key is safely locked away. It's that simple. Hardware wallets, though, these are also these also can be cold wallets and they are a personal favorite of mine. I mean, one example of a hardware wallet is the Ledger Nano S, but there's a Trezor wallet and there are other brands of hardware wallets available. Now, what a hardware wallet does is it stores your private key on a separate dedicated piece of hardware, which actually also allows the sending of cryptocurrency only when that device is connected to your laptop, say. Frankly, if you're sending coin frequently, it actually still might be a better idea to keep a separate hot wallet uh, as a rough equivalent of your normal wallet for cryptocurrency that is, that is frequently exchanged or spent. Ideally, these hardware wallets, or as the aforementioned paper wallet, these are used for a replacement for the bank. So this is where you're putting money that you want to keep for a rainy day or for some investment later on. What's really interesting is how early we are in the world of cryptocurrency and the equivalent of trying to set up old systems into a new world and how very few people I think actually are considering the idea of a hardware wallet or a bank replacement because frankly very few people have a lot of cryptocurrency certainly not as much as they would have in fiat so we're not really running into these problems but what we're trying to do is get people who are looking into getting into crypto into the, in the get this mindset er, created early and understand that there's no bank so if you do start to accumulate a certain amount of crypto wealth, you're going to want to think about a safer way to maintain that. And that is, that is through cold wallet storage. Now, let's move quickly over to hot wallet security. There are, of course, several desktop applications that can provide you with hot wallets. There are many mobile wallets, and there are even just online service wallets. Let's talk a little bit about desktop wallets. The problem with having all your eggs on one computer is that computers fail and sometimes we forget what is on our drive sometimes we might it might be a, a work computer that would be bad there are already well-known stories of people digging through dumpsters trying to find hard disks containing bitcoin wallets worth billions additionally a growing number of email phishing and social engineering campaigns they're designed to get malware onto your computer, such as the, the Cerebear strain, to hunt for crypto wallets and send those away to malicious parties. Now, it's getting harder and harder to defend ourselves and our computers. So it's not necessarily a great solution, but you use what you're comfortable with. Now, let's talk about mobile wallets. Also, there are problems necessarily. I've already mentioned that there are some mobile wallets with sloppily written code and these have all but given people's money away through a poor execution of ECDSA implementation. Now, at least that's ineptitude. I'm not sure if that's a good thing. Uh, but probably more dangerous is the fact that anybody, even me, even you, can submit a wallet application to the Google Play Store. And there have already been reports of fake wallet applications that accept your private key and go ahead with disappearing your Bitcoin. Blockchain.info 
Bread Wallet, these are trusted wallets. These are just a few examples of mobile hot wallets. But do be careful when choosing one. And ideally, use the hot wallet only for the currency that is active and, and that you're actually going to be spending. I always recommend getting recommendations for friends or other people in the cryptocurrency community before you dive in. Now, online wallets, probably the most popular kind. For newbies looking to dive into crypto, and I was one of these once, using an online service takes a lot of that pain away. Online services do charge fees for services, like everybody else, but they also remove much of the complexity. Do your research. Use a little common sense when choosing any service. One of the largest original online services was called Mt. Gox. And this was, this was in the early days of cryptocurrency where trading in any kind was really rocky. Inexperienced players made a royal mess of it, losing over half a million Bitcoin before Mt. Gox went bankrupt and the CEO went to prison. Now, if you choose, this is important, if you choose an exchange to handle your cryptocurrency, maybe don't go with one that's called Magic the Gathering Online Exchange. Yeah, that's what Mt. Gox stood for. Since then, though, many new coin exchanges have appeared, many have suffered. In the past few years, we've seen several exchanges hit by cyber attacks, ranging from phishing campaigns to denial of service. Uh, let's just to name a few. Bitfinex, based in Hong Kong, lost $70 million in 2016 and suffered a denial of service just last year. Nice, ha nice hash, if I can say that. Crowdsourced mining in Slovenia, $60 million, gone. Ubit, South Korea. Hacked twice, now bankrupt. Yapazon, South Korea, lost five million. Bitthumb, South, South Korea, you're, you're, you're detecting a trend here, lost one million dollars. You might want to stay from away from South Korean exchanges. They're doing a cracking job at the Olympics, by the way. However, getting hacked by uh, North Korea and having all of their Bitcoins stolen, uh, they're also very good at that. Okay, I hope you're enjoying part two and part one. Hey, if you haven't heard part one, you've jumped straight to part two, you missed some really important stuff. So get back in there. And why not go back to the beginning and listen to the very first Codifier podcast ever, uh, WTF Bitcoin, and get a really good background. Kind of, a, I try to give an unbiased perspective on, on Bitcoin, and that was when I was first diving in. So what I'm going to do coming up in, in probably March is a WTF Cryptocurrency part two, where after six months of researching where I find myself and kind of this weird, ludicrous world of cryptocurrency where speculation is everywhere. Some people seem to say, stay away from it. Don't even try. And other people are thinking they're going to be millionaires. And it's, it's a very weird world and I'm treading lightly through it. So I'd like to tell that story in one of my podcasts. So keep following along. Facebook.com slash Codifier, Twitter Codifier. Hey, why not Instagram, codifier.co.uk? All right, here we go. Back to episode six, part two, blockchain security and the cryptocurrency boom. Okay, we were just talking about hot wallets and exchanges that carry hot wallets for you. Some of the uh, less fortunate ones like Bitfinex, NiceHash, Ubit, Yapazon, and Bitthumb uh, who have either gone under or been seriously compromised. Well, that's bad. And, and, but there, for every one that goes down or, or gets hacked, there are, seem to be five more that pop up. One of the most prominent and most popular is called Coinbase. Coinbase is often referred to as the idiot's platform for crypto investment. So that's why I went there first. 
They don't offer a lot of different options. It's simple, the interface is easy. They do take security extremely seriously. And if you go to the show notes on the synopsis.com blog, I actually link to another podcast that where there's a reassuring discussion with their head of security in it. It actually makes you feel like, okay, they actually, they have a few issues with features, but they make sure that those features are, are rock solid. And I, I, I put a lot of faith in them. But having said all that, even Coinbase isn't without scars. I mean, they suffered a, a minor scandal back in December 2017, where they were accused of insider trading during the addition of Bitcoin Cash cryptocurrency to their exchange. Now, nothing official was announced, and there are plenty of alternative theories about trading bots pushing pricing up and down that make a little more sense, but they're not completely untarnished. So let's talk about dangers that are common across all of these online wallets and exchanges. I mean, there are three more potential dangers with using online wallet or exchange services. The first is spoof websites. If you're using a service like Coinbase, Bookmark the link to your site and use the bookmark. Many people just go to Google. I just go to Google and type Coinbase, assuming the real and correct Coinbase will be the first website listed. Now, I had a friend of a friend who did this exact thing with Mt. Gox. Now, it sounds like I'm just talking about me, doesn't it? Friend of a friend. It wasn't, but it really was a friend of a friend that found themselves logging into a Mt. Gox lookalike site. Took him only a few seconds to realize the mistake, but by then, the Mt. Gox harbored Bitcoin had already been stolen. Now, the second danger is malicious browser extensions, and this will be the subject of a later podcast. These often mask themselves as simple conveniences. One such Chrome extension advertised itself as a cryptocurrency ticker that would show you current prices. That sounds cool, but after you logged into your online service, if you were sending cryptocurrency to a remote address, just as you click the send button, this browser extension would change the destination address and send your Bitcoin to the bad guy address. When you're sending crypto, it's a good idea to do it from a secure browser or one with only thoroughly trusted extensions in it. Now the third danger, and last but certainly not least, is that some of the online wallets just aren't very secure. I mean, while some hyper-intelligent math guru coders are, are creating the cryptocurrency infrastructure, it can be undermined completely by some very normal, not-so-security-focused, maybe even amateur developers creating applications that offer services on the network. Very recently, as recently as last month, January 2018, an online wallet application called Black Wallet, focusing on the cryptocurrency's Stellar Lumen, or XLM, was hacked. Some JavaScript was inserted into the site after you logged in, and it would check to see whether you had more than 20 lumen. If so, it would send it all over to the bad guys. They took about $400,000 worth. And this is a great example of the dangers that are possible in the cryptocurrency world. Black Wallet appears to have been created by a very small team, maybe even one guy who said on Reddit after the attack that the hacker had accessed my hosting provider account your hosting provider account. Major businesses don't necessarily have a hosting provider. Um, yeah, hashtag guy living in his mom's basement. So let's throw some conclusions at this. Blockchain technologies. 
They're growing at an unprecedented rate, powering new concepts from everything from shared storage to social networks. Cryptocurrency isn't going away anytime soon, as far as we can tell. And the fact that it has exploded certainly demonstrates that from a security perspective, we are breaking new ground. For users, investors, using both cold wallets for major storage and hot wallets for real-time trading is a good idea and recommended. Always be careful when using online services or mobile apps. They may be fake, they may be hijacked by malware, or just so poorly implemented that they do not keep your private key or your money secure. So let me throw a number at you. Se I'm not even sure I can even say it. 757,890 million 628,246 dollars. That's a lot. So essentially 757 billion approximately dollars is the total market cap of all cryptocurrency at the moment. Now this is when the article was written. It was a few weeks ago. And actually when I wrote it, uh, a lot of the cryptocurrencies were in decline. So it, it could be more or less. I don't think it really matters when you're talking that around 700 billion. Uh, you, so you can see why developers are incentivized to create new blockchain applications. There's money there. However, they all should have equal incentive to follow a gold standard when it comes to securing applications and services surrounding cryptocurrency trading and blockchain application development. I mean, the technology is currently a rather deadly combination of high value, high stakes, and low maturity. So whether you're a developer or perhaps somebody looking to get involved with the purchase and, and maybe hope for the best in, in the world of a cryptocurrency investment, I think you need to assess the risk. I mean, if you're a developer, it's a no-brainer. You should be doing the basics of application security, static code analysis, threat models, all of those sorts of things before releasing software into a world that is highly volatile right now. If you're a new investor, well, you've listened to this podcast, so you're already off to a fantastic start. Either way, taking every possible precaution to build security into your lives from the start is critical to ensuring success, security, and quite potentially profit for all involved. That has been episode six, Blockchain Security and the Cryptocurrency Boom, part two, our most read article of all time. Apparently, I heard some numbers like 21 million people may have. Anyway, that's probably ridiculous. Thanks for listening again. I've been your host, Steve Jaguer. Why not follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and all good social media sources. We'll see you in a few weeks for another exciting episode of Codifier.